Welcome to the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I interview business leaders who are committed to their own growth and the development of everyone on their team. If you enjoy my podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I love, as you know, if you are a regular listener of my podcast, I love introducing you to people who are committed to working on their own development and to helping others become the best versions of themselves. And my guest today has done both of those things in spades, and I can hardly wait to have him share some of his experiences with you. You know, the development of people is also a key focus of my company, Grow Strong Leaders. We publish software tools and books for improving the way people connect with each other at work. And you can learn more about us at growstrongleaders.com. So my guest today is Peter Walmsley, and I can hardly wait for our conversation to begin. Welcome, Peter. Thank you very much, uh, Meredith. Uh, really delighted to be here. So I'm looking forward to all the questions you asked me. Today. Oh, well, I am looking forward to our conversation. First, let me do a little more formal introduction so mm. my listeners can appreciate who you are. Peter is the Senior Vice President of Organization Effectiveness at Scopely. He's a highly committed leader with extensive experience in global organizations covering the U.S., Europe, Asia, and North Africa. Peter is originally from London, and he's lived and worked primarily for U.S. companies in such wonderful locations as Paris, Madrid, Geneva, and San Francisco. He was actually way ahead of COVID in terms of working remotely because he's done that for many years. And the other thing I love about Peter is that he has lived and breathed everything that my podcast is about. So I know you're going to value the insights and ideas that he shares today. You know, Peter, some of my um, listeners would be familiar with organization effectiveness, Mm -hmm. others, not so much. So I would love for you to start out by just telling us a little bit about your journey as a leader who's been focused, I think, most of your career on the people side of business. I'd be delighted to, uh, Meredith. So as you quite rightly say, I have worked primarily for U.S. companies. And I would say my background started in learning and development. And that was going through design delivery of programs uh, back in the U.K., for insurance companies, financial services companies. And then I got my first big break into American Express at the time when American Express had a bank. So I was the head of uh, training for European uh, locations. And that really got me out into various markets, meeting with senior leaders and putting together programs that that enabled people to be more effective at what they did. I moved into travel related services on the, on the, on, uh, the American Express side. And, and I would say until I joined Fidelity as part of a cult uh, telecom, my role was very much around uh, management development, organizational change, helping support transformation. And at a critical time in cult history, I somehow put my hand up to say I wanted to be an HR leader to help drive some of the organizational change that was going to happen. 
And that got me in, into supporting the restructure of Colt at the time, building an offshore center in India from the ground, which still today has something like 1,300 people. And that moved me into Fidelity, um, Devonshire investors who invested in new businesses. And that was a wonderful opportunity where, as you quite rightly said, I went to work in Paris and then Madrid, helping support and build a global company uh, with Fidelity's backing. Uh, I learned a lot about living in other cultures and working in other cultures and literally picking myself up and my wife one day, the next day being in another location and trying to start off afresh as well as working in a different environment. Um, I left uh, Fidelity after 10 years in 2010, after a fantastic career there, and then joined uh, Electronic Arts, a uh, gaming uh, company based in um, companies based out of uh, San Francisco. I joined them in Geneva in Switzerland at a time when they were going through digital transformation of their business. Um, spent some time, three years in Geneva, and again, got relocated to San Francisco and drove a lot of organizational change uh, for the business at that time. And then was headhunted by GSN uh, Games, who, are part, who at that time were part of Sony, uh, to be their chief people officer. And this uh, involved the other part of the journey, which you hadn't mentioned, was me, move, my wife and I moving to Boston, where I am now based. Yeah. And what a lovely transition from the sun of California to, to the seasons uh, on the East Coast. Um, led the, the, really the development, the restructure of the GSM business to a point where in December last year, we were acquired by Scopely. And Scopely, as a very large player uh, within mobile games, has been a fantastic opportunity for us. And it also presented me with something quite unique, which was an opportunity to think through what I wanted to do next. And having been in mainstream uh, HR for a number of years at le in leadership positions, I felt the time had come for me to go, go back to my roots in many ways, but do so with a lot more experience than I, than I had back then. And that's why I'm now leading a, a brand new team within Scopely, which is around organizational effectiveness. And to answer the question that I, I know you'd, you'd want to ask me, really what that is about is really creating the opportunity to design programs, initiatives that will help the business achieve its goals and, and help Scopely to be the best place to work. And, and that is about really looking at the whole uh, development and retaining of talent in, in all its forms, really ensuring that we help drive change for the organization and, and create learning and development opportunities that do enable people to give their best to the organization. So that's where I am. It's been uh, three weeks into the new role. I'm sort of clearing my head of my old role and then starting with a blank sheet of paper to really help drive and, and deliver for Scopely over the next few years. Oh, they're so lucky to have you in that role, Peter, because you bring to it this passion for growing and developing mm -hmm. talent. And I would love for you to talk about in your various roles that you've had over the years, it seems to me that one of your real strengths and, and maybe a unique talent for you is helping people unlock their potential. Mm. For some of my listeners who may not have your skill at doing that, what are some key things that you could share that might be helpful for them? Some insights Yep. Maybe your attitude, your approach, your mindset. Yep. What is it that made you yeah. so good at that? 
Yeah, that, that's, that is a good question. Because then I look back at some of the people I've helped over the years. A lot of it, uh, I would say, um, is an instinct that very often when you look at people, people sometimes don't appreciate just how good they are. You know, all of our other mechanisms that exist in our world are about, uh, you know, giving people feedback that may not be as constructive as they would like or keeping people uh, down or in a particular role and not really encouraging people to, to, to blossom and, and to grow. And one of the things that struck me o- over the years is for me to have been successful as a leader, there are one or two people I can point to who spotted something in me and gave me the opportunity. And I, and I have felt strongly that wherever I could, wherever there was opportunity, I would, I would look to see and help people who didn't realize for themselves what was good about them, but to create an opportunity where they could flourish with the appropriate support and mechanisms. And you know, one of those people who was fresh out of college in India when we were growing the business, um, what did I like? I liked her attitude. I liked her approach. She she hadn't really worked before in any role for any length of time, but she came with a, with an attitude of I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be part of something. And I and I think so often when you meet people, you can be energized and excited by somebody who's who's demonstrating passion. So in some ways, it's probably a mirror mirror image of, of me. And on the spot, uh, we hired her. We hired her into a recruitment role, came into an HR management role. Uh, she's now got a senior role in Ericsson, leading um, Southeast Asia uh, business for them from an HR perspective and is a very well-respected individual. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that I was the catalyst that started that, but I think I did create some of the foundational steps for her to enable her to be part of something and help her to learn and grow. And we do keep in touch and from time to time, you know, turn to each other for advice and guidance. And, and, I, and I think that's the key that I've always found is taking a chance with people. You know, and if it works, fantastic. If it doesn't work, well, we'll learn from it. And I think I've done that in various different disguises at multiple levels is provide an opportunity for people to give to have a chance, give them the support and set them free. You know, and if they really are as good as you think they are, they will take the advantage of the opportunity and be as good as they can be. You know, that's I love all those things that you just mentioned, this idea of focusing on the strengths of the person in front of you. Yeah. rather than shortfalls. Obviously, we want to be able to be realistic about what somebody may or may not be able to do. But I love that you not only identify that, it sounds like you create an environment for them to flourish mm-hmm. um, so in, in the way you interact with them. And so mm-hmm. whether it's with this individual you just described or thinking of some other examples, what are some of the specific things you do in your day-to-day interactions with them yeah. that communicate, I believe in you, I know you can do this? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I take uh, one individual who's uh, based out of our, uh, based in London. Uh, when I first met this individual, uh, he was new to HR in, in a sort of a European type of role incredibly passionate, very pro the employees, 
and our first interaction was very much around we have to do x y and z for employees if you don't everyone will leave you've absolutely got to do this and you know part of uh, part of what i think has been my strength over the years is to is to is to listen to not judge and then actually have a conversation around the why, what was going on, etc., and explain the company's position. And we, we got to a, a good solution. But what was interesting in, in that interaction, uh, I think instead of jumping down his throat, for want of a better phrase, and saying he can't do that for these reasons, it was to actually understand his passion, understand where he was coming from, and actually just have a, a series of conversations over two or three uh, weeks to help him understand where I was coming off from and where the business was coming from and where the difference lie. And would he support uh, the direction that I, I was heading in? The answer was yes. And we, we've had a fantastic relationship. He's recently just been promoted to a HR director uh, in Europe, which is, which is a tremendous achievement. But the key for me has always been is very much I, I i like to be clear with people around objectives and what we're trying to achieve regular dialogue but a lot of that is about listening and engaging and trying to understand what's going on with people how they're dealing with it what's working what's not working where can i help so i'm i'm very much i think that the team would say i'm very much hands off but eyes and ears open and always available um to help support them and the other thing which i think is so important for for leaders and at times has disappointed me over the years is to be decisive very often our teams are looking for someone like me to make decisions you know, and, and to do them quickly and effectively and that's that's what i have prided myself on over the years but there's an awful lot of leaders that sort of prevaricate and, and don't necessarily make decisions. And I think that's what's been important. Even if I'm wrong, I will hold my hand up and say, yeah, I got that wrong and we'll learn from it. So that, that's, that's really open, engaging, listen. And, and people know that if they've done something wrong, we'll, we'll discuss it. We'll help each other understand what went wrong and then we move on. You know, so it, it's not a black mark against somebody's name. It's, well, how can we learn from this? Let's move on. There's plenty of good things that you do, and it's a reminder of those. If that helps. You know, you're mentioning decision making and many leaders hesitating to decide. What, in your experience, is behind that? What is it that causes them to not be decisive? Well, I think at times, um, based on the, a lot of the leaders I've dealt with, you know, being that leader of a function or a CEO or a CPO for, for that matter, it's a very lonely place. And I think at times, and, unless you have a mechanism or, a, or an infrastructure around you that you can bounce ideas off or, or help with the decision-making process, I think sometimes people are there, leaders are there on their own. And I think like all of us, they have moments of self-doubt. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, the other key dimension that I think is important in leadership is around courage. And I think someday the courage to take the decision, but courage to follow it through. And I, and I think based on some of the things that I've seen, people, is people are, can make the decision, perhaps, but actually when it comes to actually following through and executing against it, that's when they suddenly realize the enormity of what they're doing and how it might reflect on them, on the business. And a great example, where we were uh, thinking about restructuring one of the businesses I was working in, laid out a very detailed plan, 
yes, it was going to involve a restructure and potential layoffs. And then the day, two days beforehand, the, the CEO rang me up to say, should we still do this? Should we scale it back? Should we delay it? And I, you know, so I think what was happening is all his fears were coming out in this interaction with me. And what, what he really needed me to do, which is what I did do, was to hold a mirror back up and say, actually, yes. And here's the reasons why. Let's just follow it through. It will go well. Uh, and it's the right decision for the business at this moment. And so said, so done, and it did, did go well. But I think it's just that that thing that we all have from uh, now. It's the gremlins inside of us just saying, are you sure? Is this the right thing to do? And I think it just comes out sometimes that people may not have the, the confidence to follow through and demonstrate the courage. What you've brought up, a couple of different things. One is the idea that maybe there are times when you need to be the leader of the leader. You know, that it's not a positional thing. It's being willing to step up and say, yes, this is what we agreed to do. This is what we need to do, as opposed to catching the uncertainty from that other person and start having doubts yourself. I'm curious, how did you develop this courage over the years? What, What was your process in learning to make decisions quickly and either stick with them or acknowledge hey that didn't go the way we wanted so that you can continue moving forward I think a couple of uh, things come to mind one is I actually went through an assessment process with an external coach which um which is probably one of the most pivotal things that I had ever done because as we he asked me to walk through my career to date and all the decisions that I had taken, whether to stay, to leave, to go left, go right, what, et cetera. And why did I take those decisions and what was the impact of those decisions? And when he played that back to me, there seemed to be a recurring theme for me, which was uh, when it got really tough in, in roles, jobs, et cetera, I would look to leave the organization because I, I didn't necessarily follow through and stick it out. And then, you know, the learning for me was actually when you're faced with uh, adversity in, in, in situations, go through it, learn, uh, go, go through the experience, learn from it. You may not know where you're going. You may not know how this will turn out, but trust your instincts that you, that you can come out the other side. And even if it hasn't been a good experience, you'll learn from it and move on. So I think, and I started to do that and I started to test that out. And I realized that actually that um, some of that insecurity that was going on inside of me, if I just looked at it and turned it into a positive and said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, learn from this if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out I'll try something else but have the experience and I think those set of experiences gave me the confidence uh, to, to, to move forward I think the other thing as you developing your career very early on you're trying to shape your career very anxious about where am I going what's my growth path look like and there come there came a point for me where I realized of I am comfortable with myself you know I know what I'm good at I know the things I hide from everyone and try and do a good job of hiding some of those things. But actually, it was comfort with me or comfort with myself to say, actually, you do make good decisions. Keep on doing it. And I've got into a habit of maybe weekly or monthly is almost reflecting, taking stock of everything that happened during the last week or the last month and almost reinventing myself to come back 
next month or next week a little bit stronger because uh, I've, you know, I've reflected on things that have happened, how I dealt with it, what the interactions were like, and then thought, how can I move this forward? So I think it's a combination of those. And part of it is just about experience of I've done these kind of things before. These kind of things have worked. I believe even if I don't really know the answer, I think I can help find an answer and then we can navigate through that. So I think it's a combination of all of those those things. A, a good playback to me of my own uh, style and approach and me adjusting as a result and then using that experience to enable me to uh, learn and grow, mm-hmm. I would say. Takeaways that I have from what you just said are number one, it it's worthwhile to take time to slow down and reflect mm-hmm. on things that have happened, on the choices you've made, on who you really are. And the other thing you've done that I so admire, because I think too often we minimize the things we've done well. We don't give ourselves enough credit. Mm-hmm. You take time to revisit those successes you've had and build on those and say, yes, I did that before, so I can deal with this unknown more successfully. And that's one of the things I wanted to um, ask you about, too, is this whole thing with, you know, with what's happened over the last two years with COVID, there's been so much uncertainty, Mm -hmm. so many changes that people can't always predict what's going to happen. And so thinking about people who are in leadership roles, one of the things we've seen is many of them are struggling themselves with what's expected of them. Mm-hmm. So, so I have two parts to my question. One is, what would you say to encourage another leader to deal more effectively with the uncertainty? And also, how can they help the members of their teams who are dealing yeah. with those uncertainties also? Yeah. I think part of uh, the answer to the first question of of actually is acknowledging that being open and acknowledging your own personal situation, that there is a high level of uncertainty. And I'm not sure how we're going to do this, but actually look for those two or three people, two or three people who you feel as though you can talk to and 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 almost have a self-help support group between you to say okay what are we going to do and I think one of the things that I did at the very start of the pandemic was you know I've never I haven't had enough time over the years to network and to seek other people's views but I suddenly uh, from working from home so much I did actually join a lot of forums. I listened to a lot of people and I learned from what other people were doing and tried and tested it and had some ideas of my, of my own. So I, I think part of the, the, the guidance I would give people is there's a collective strength in involving other people. And it's not a sign of weakness that you, you know, you're not, you're not employed, I'm afraid, as a superhuman that, that's going to come in and have all the answers to solve. What people are looking for you as a leader is, are you able to, to navigate a path and bring people with you? And part of that is to acknowledge to yourself, there's, I don't really know where I'm going with this. There's no playbook, but how can I get support? How can I learn from others? Um, and how can I get that collective strength from getting a community of people together? And I, and I think that's been a, a great asset to me is, 
being involved in multiple communities that have helped where people have shared ideas or discussed issues and you think okay that's a good idea I, I can think about how do, how do my how do I do that so I, th I think it, for me the reflection will be don't go it alone um, also back to the point I made earlier is you know take stock regularly what's working what's not working do I need to change what I'm doing do I need to bring other people in and you and I think the other thing is um, there is uh, collective wisdom within your own organization there are people who have done their own research and reading etc you know try and reach out to people as people want to be involved in, in helping shape and craft a, a lot of this and I think from the team's perspective um, one of the things that some, some of my team have said to me um, that's been key one is the increased frequency of contact uh, over the last couple of years and it's still going on very much focusing on them as individuals as opposed to the tasks we have to do and the other is um, a sense of calmness you know no matter that may be inside uh, of me my stomach is going round and round in circles I really don't know what I'm doing but to project that sense of calmness and leadership and being decisive even if it's a decision for today and next Monday we make a different decision but it's that being calm in a crisis people are look to their leaders to say do I trust and believe in this leader to help us navigate through this you know and are they being open and transparent along the way mm -hmm. and I would always uh, are on the side of demonstrating that I am calm under pressure you know here's my view and, and to a point you made earlier actually I think more and more our leaders are looking to CPOs, people in senior roles on the on the people's side, um, for that assurance or for that reassurance, for, for that um, guidance to say, yeah, this is a good idea and, and encourage our, our leaders to take the decisions that they need to do. But also for ourselves it is have the courage to take some of those decisions. And as I say, if, it, if we need to adjust course tomorrow, we'll adjust course tomorrow, but it's the right decision today so I actually you know when I look at it I think being being empathetic really listening to people helping people where they're at but being calm about it consistently calm I would say that's such a key word and you're right if you think about you know even in home environments mm -hmm. where parents are the leaders the kids really pay attention to the level of calmness or lack of it mm. in the home and react. And I think that's absolutely true in the workplace too. People pick yeah. up if a leader is agitated and on edge and it causes the, you know, the whole environment where people are walking on eggshells because they're not sure what to expect. So knowing that calmness is consistent, I think is a real key also that people know you're not going to react you know, yeah. in an explosive or emotional way when they bring up an idea that may be different. So yes. I love your emphasis on that. As we think about, and I and I also love your emphasis on listening and understanding. You mm -hmm. also are a big fan of observing. And I'm mm -hmm. curious to know how all of those strengths or skills of listening, understanding, observing, empathy have served you in working in diverse cultures? Because of course, mm -hmm. diversity, equity, and inclusion, those are really big topics these days. How yeah. has 
that helped you in the whole thing of diverse cultures? Yeah, which is a great question. If you imagine for a second a Parisian office in the heart of La Défense in, in Paris, 200 French people, uh, their business has been very French, they've been acquired by IBM and then now they've been acquired by Fidelity. And this lone Englishman comes in as the, the head of, it, uh, of HR and has been plonked in the middle of your business, in the middle of Paris, not necessarily knowing a very good, a detailed amount of French. Um, you know, part of it was, was, was actually suspending everything I knew and having a blank sheet of paper. And I think people's expectations are, oh, here we go. If it's not an American, it's a Brit coming in they're going to tell us what to do and it's going to be sort of hell on earth um and so what i did was actually i just i went and talked to people and that's what i've done probably all my all my life when i've started companies talk to people blank sheet of paper understand people understand where they're coming from but but to your point doing it with my eyes and ears open seeing what's going on understanding what the what what the the unwritten rules were in the office, how, how people are, are treated and perceived. You know, talking to the country head in, in his Parisian office, he wanted to sit and talk for an hour and a half and just con continually bring up new subjects. You know, one and a half, two hours later, you know, we hadn't reached any conclusions. And over time, you know, I, I was able to sort of influence him to think, well, actually, if you're going to succeed in the US culture that you're now part of, one of the things you need to be clear on, um, you need to think about is how you're communicating and the extent to which you're clear, concise, etc. So we started to role model some of that uh, with us. And so I think, you know, the, the benefit that I was able to bring was to, to, to talk build relationships and use those relationships where I, I had developed a sense of trust. I, I get some quick wins under my belt, but also help them to help individuals to understand how they might be successful in a broader organization that was run thousands of miles away and that you had to interact with and be successful with. And I would say exactly the same situation, doing some work in North Africa, completely alien, uh, culture for me but again it's just not having any preconceived ideas going with the flow see where it takes me and, and I and I think that's what's helped me and be open about it and not have preconceived notions or thinking that I've got all the answers on there and and, and, and you and I both know this that a, a lot of testing things out with you what do you think if we did this how would this work and one of the things that I've realized over the years is that in our desire for perfection from an HR perspective in all its forms, actually, if you get it 70%, 80% right um, in a lot of the, the cultures that are different to the principal one that you're operating with, that's a huge success. And, that, it, you know, and you've got to give people the flexibility to say, I'm going to do it slightly different to you. And that's okay, but as long as the principle of what we're trying to achieve is broadly aligned on that. Right. And you and you just got to give people freedom, you know, from a cultural perspective, from a diversity perspective. But actually, I, I, but it, but it's consistent in the sense of what's the output we're looking for. Mm -hmm. If that helps. Well, it's it's quite profound. And what I'm taking away also as I'm listening to you describe your approach 
throughout our conversation here is the lack of ego, the mm -hmm. lack of coming into a situation feeling like you know what's best mm -hmm. and that you want to push your way of doing things. And to me, the huge takeaway for my listeners is recognize where it makes sense to, to slow down and mm -hmm. ask questions and learn rather than go in with an agenda. And it, so there's this balance between knowing when to be in a learning mode and when to be in a decisive mode. Yeah. That if you go in too decisive too quickly without having the data, without getting a feel for where people are yes. and what's going on there, you can make some really bad decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in your yeah. case, you took the time, you invested the time in the people to yeah. learn about what was going on with them. And that allowed you then to come up with decisions where you had their buy-in yeah. because they had participated in the discussions. And very much so. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And very much one of the things that I've always uh, enjoyed doing is, is you know, I've worked in centralized functions. I've worked in decentralized functions. And I would uh, urge anyone who, you know, from an HR or business community perspective, um, work in the field, but work in head office and then understand how people view the world differently. And then think about, particularly for those that are in these sort of central corporate functions, really understand what it's like in the far corner of your organization to be on the receiving end of what you've just said or what you've just tried to implement. Mm. And then if you think about that and you understand what it's like in the field, because I've, I've been on both sides of that fence, um, if you are critiquing it and evaluating it, then I think it will make you a better professional because you truly understand you know, how to really deliver things that, that's sorry for that uh, deliver things that stick unlike my camera which just decided not to stick <laughs> that's such a good point and I think that's a great way to conclude our conversation this idea of no matter what position you are in in the organization to get the perspective of people in different roles in different settings so that your decisions are are made being fully informed is yes, what you're really talking absolutely. about, understanding the different perspectives. Peter, you are such a wonderful source of, to me, inspiration and wisdom around the importance of paying attention to people. That's really mm -hmm. the common thread um, that ties everything we've talked about together is paying attention to the importance of the people in the organization. And I Absolutely. love the role that you're in now where yeah. you are able to see from the bigger perspective and influence all the areas that are going to help that company really become more effective as an organization. So share with us, how can people connect with you and um, maybe have a conversation with you if they have additional questions. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Please feel free to contact me on, on LinkedIn, uh, also by email. 
you know, I'm very happy if people have got particular projects or assignments that they're stuck with and, and just looking to bounce off some ideas, I will happily help uh, people uh, and routinely do. So don't 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 be a stranger. Don't be afraid. You know, if you do want if you do want some help or you just want to chat about some of the things that I, I've experienced, then I'm absolutely uh, more than delighted to, to help people. And probably LinkedIn is, is the, the best starting point and we can go from there. That's great. Well, thank you, Peter. We'll have your LinkedIn profile in mm-hmm. the show notes page. And I encourage my listeners to connect with you. You are such a delightful human being. And I just want to affirm the important work you're doing to make every organization you've been in better and, and have a thank positive you. impact with the people that you work with. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Meredith. It's been a delight as well to have this conversation with you today. So thank you. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com and check out our two books, Connect With Your Team and Peer Coaching Made Simple. While you're there, download the free facilitator guide to find out how to implement our unique peer coaching system. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.